Bucks Nation. What's going on? Welcome into the final episode of the 2020 season. This is the Buffs Nation podcast. I'm Tyler Walgy. He is Jared All to my right. Jared, how are you? Doing good. How are y'all, gentlemen? I mean, I'm better than last week. <laughs> I know. We, we did kind of have a low. downer week, didn't we? <laughs> it was dark last week in here. And uh, that's our problem with recording the day after we lose the Alamo Bowl. It's like, yeah, let's just go in as fast as we can and be all emotional Well, on we the show. set the date before the game. Exactly. So I think we had an idea that, you know, let's get this going because we're going to be excited about that. That was the Not goal. so much. That was the plan. Ryan Smith, producer extraordinaire. Ryan, how are you? Feeling much better today. Uh, I know last week I was kind of a Debbie Downer and yeah. uh, Sour well, Sally. But hey, uh, on, a, on a positive note... Uh, the Longhorns beat CU so bad that they went ahead and fired Tom Herman. <laughs> I mean, it, you know. Oh, it's in a good look. It's like he <laughs> crushes CU. Okay, I wasn't good enough. You're when fired. Do, when do you get a head coach fired out of a loss? Right? <laughs> good job, Buffs. <laughs> nice job. Right. That was all CU there. And guys. they end up hiring Steve Sarkeesian. So, interesting move there from Texas. But, look, I think that the main place we should start today is where we didn't go last week. And, and that's the idea that this was a good season for CU. You know, a lot of us had very, I'd say, medium expectations entering the year. Didn't even know if we'd play. How is Carl Durrell going to do? And eventually, we're 4-0. And it's like, okay, well, now the expectations have changed. And now you know, we're expecting to go to the Pac-12 championship and make something real out of the season. And then they end with a couple losses. But I, I think it's important that we all have some perspective. Because again, from where we went from before the season started, I think all of us in the room would have taken a 4-2 and two year going to the Alamo Bowl. So I'm completely okay with the way this year went. Really, when I look bad out, back at it, my one regret may not be the two losses. You're going to lose football games. It's what happened to Nate Landman. You know, you hate to see a guy who's given so many years to this program go down with an injury. You hope he'll be okay for the NBA or the NFL draft. But that, to me, was one part of the season where it's like, okay, that was a part where you can go, dang, that really, really stinks for this team. But overall, good season for CU, one of the better teams in the Pac-12. And I think this team has so many building blocks from defense to offense. There's so much to be excited about for this team moving forward. So yes, it was a building block season, but I think there's a lot of positives to take away from this 2020 campaign. No doubt about it. I mean, like, like we talked about it a little bit last week. We 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 tried to put our best, uh, you know, face on and, and and show that excitement through. There is a lot to really really be excited about, and you know, we we hope to see some growth and everything as we move forward in the next year, and we hope to get nice full off season. I'm hoping this COVID stuff starts to you know really dial back. I'd love to see some spring ball out of the Buffs this year. Yeah. Well, now with this super strain of coronavirus going around. I don't even want it's to like all it. these new variations. I don't know how that's going to happen, but look, I, I hope that's the case. I hope these vaccines start to kick in, and 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 hopefully we're just back to normal. You know, that would be ideal. Get everything ready in the off season. Whoever this quarterback's going to be next year, be it Brennan Lewis, this transfer from Tennessee. You know, you got to get these guys ready to go. So hopefully we do have a, a nice off season ahead of us. Uh, but overall, like I said, good year for the Buffs. You know, we were a little down last week, but it is time to have perspective. And again, open up the win or open up the year with a 48-42 win against UCLA. Follow that up with a road win against Stanford. Uh, then the week off because of the Arizona State cancellation. The week following that, November 28th, CU had to work quickly. You know, play San Diego State last minute. 
And then the week after that at Arizona, after those four games, Colorado 4-0, and then again, the last two losses of the year, home against Utah, and then at the Alamo Bowl against Texas. So overall, I'm happy with the year. And I something really that am. I don't think that we've talked about enough and really around in the Boulder area hasn't been talked about enough is you know, in past years, there's been quite a few seasons for the bus where they start out 2-0, 3-0, and and then they get into Pac-12 play and really struggle. So, so to see the Buffs, I mean, keeping in mind, yeah, they had the one non-Pac-12 game, but this was a Pac-12 schedule. And so to see the Buffs really compete at a high level against their common opponents, I think that was really good to see. I think that's where a lot of us felt so good, and myself included, early on in the year, to see them compete at or above the level where most Pac-12 team, Pac-12 teams were playing. Really good to see and gets me really excited about some of these games going into next year. I think they still got AM on the schedule unless that has changed. That'll be an interesting one going into next year. So I'm really excited to see how this Buffs team looks as we approach early next year. We can quickly go through the schedule next year. Non-conference games, uh, home against the UNC Bears. That'll be a tough one. Exactly. Gotta watch out. Home against the Texas A&M Aggies. And home against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. That's those are two tough games to end a non-conference schedule. Yeah, I didn't know Minnesota was on there too. So that's no joke, guys. And they're a team that kind of always flirts in those twenties rankings. Yeah. So I, I expect them to be in that same spot there. That's uh, and and then uh, conference play uh, at Arizona State at Cal. Home against Arizona. Home against Oregon, home against Oregon State, home against USC. So uh, oh, then home against Washington. So five home games in a row. Um, Do they play any road games yeah. next year? <laughs> and then on the road at UCLA and, and Utah. So the road games are going to be, well, how many home games do they have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight home games. Is that right? That's what I see on fbschedules.com. They're usually pretty uh, accurate. The road games are at Arizona State, at Cal, at UCLA, and then at Utah. So... Hopefully that's the case. I would love all those home games. Make up for this year. I didn't get to go to Folsom Field. Maybe that's what it is. That's right. That's right. They need to get Ralphie out there running. Exactly. So uh, you mentioned the Pac-12. A couple of Pac-12 awards for these Colorado Buffaloes. The Offensive Player of the Year, Jarek Broussard. Uh, What a tremendous season this kid had. You know, with all the injury talk, Alex Fontenot hurt to start the year. What's this backfield going to look like? We didn't know. The running backs, before anyone knew... It was like a, it was a it was a, a weak point of this team. Well, that's not the case anymore. Jerick Broussard, uh, Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, and Carl Durrell, the Pac-12 Coach of the Year. So you talk about building blocks, sophomore running back, new head coach. I love that combo in the Pac-12. So good awards there for those guys. Uh, first team All Pac-12. Jerick Broussard also made that along with Nate Landman. And second team Pac-12: Mustafa Johnson, Will Sherman, and Carson Wells. And then uh, to wrap up the awards, Jared Broussard did get the Mayo Clinic Comeback Player of the Year award. So Jared Broussard's trophy, or whatever, what do you call it, the trophy case? That's going to be full, right? You think he has a uh, letdown this offseason? I mean, it's, it's hard. Awards, I don't want to uh, say letdown, but it's hard to come back and outdo that performance. I mean, he really took this team and this, this league by storm. But so. I don't think it's necessarily just about repeating what you did this year, next year, because stats are stats. They're going to happen. Right. Or they're not. What I'm talking more about is his preparation in the offseason, because I think I speak for most people listening. When you have a failure in life, it's easier to bounce back. It's easier to have that venom, that vigor. I'm going to go get him. When you succeed in life... There's a whole bunch of different ways to respond to that. And Jared Broussard, sophomore winning all these awards, I, I want to say he'll go back, hit the hit the weight room harder than he ever has, train harder, harder than he ever has. 
I don't know. The human nature may say, hey, I'm, I'm very good, and he may take this offseason off. I don't think that's the case, but human nature sometimes bleeds in. And the optimist in me wants to say, this is a guy that's coming off all these knee surgeries. This is one of the first offseasons he's been truly healthy. And I think he's probably just now starting to get back to full speed and everything that he's able to do, no limitations. So this is the first chance he gets to really hit it hard in the offseason to set himself up for success going into the season. That is very uh, optimistic, Jared. I know. I'm, I'm trying. I'm were, trying. Were you Little suggesting bit of that year. I was being pessimistic there? Or uh, was that, uh... Maybe real, realist? <laughs> You're being a realist? <laughs> well, I will say with Broussard, uh, I'm pretty sure that knee – um, that he blew out last year. He's, that, that's the second time he's blown out that same knee. Um, and going into an offseason, being healthy, the past two offseasons, he's gone in recovering yeah, or injured, yeah. you, you, know, you know, rehabbing. And, and just the focus that he can be doing what he can do, being completely healthy, I think that you, you won't see any sort of, especially with the guys around him in that running back room. I was just going to say the same thing. He cannot take a day off. Yeah, if he if he doesn't hit the ground running this offseason, then he may not keep that starting running back spot. He's right. got a lot of guys around him and behind him that are, are gunning for that position. Well, Jared Broussard did rush for 150 a game and five touchdowns. He deserves everything he got this season. Uh, before we move on to our... Uh, New Year's resolution for CU. We each have our New Year's resolution. We are, we're also going to get you on today's show, our Offensive and Defensive Player of the Years, uh, and then uh, talk some recruiting. But, Ryan, before we move on to any of that, let's get to this day in Buffs football history. All right, fellas. So today, uh, uh, this day in Buffs uh, history, um, in 1972, we're going uh, a couple days back, January 3rd, you know, with all this stuff. Kind of been struggling yeah, it's to tough find yeah, Not a whole lot happened exactly. in January 5th. <laughs> Usually in, in, in history. But uh, so in 1972, the Buffs were voted the number three team in the country for the 1971 season by the AP. It was the highest a Colorado team had ever ranked at the end of the season. Um, and the United Press International tabbed Colorado as the seventh for the same season as a seventh-ranked team for nice. the same season. There we go. So. Nice 71 season for the Buffs. Was that when they were in the Powder Blues? I don't know. Oh, that's a good question. That is. They had that weird phase. Like, we all went through that <laughs> weird phase. Like, that was their teenage years or something, you know? Oh, I love the blue, man. <laughs> go, go through the archives and look at these stands in 1971, right? <laughs> 72 season. Yeah, a There's a lot of powder seats. blue in those stands, yeah. I can tell you that. Yeah, they've, they've added a few seats on since then, too. <laughs> uh, good one, though. I like that. Uh, this day in Buff's history. Nice job there. Uh, all right, New Year's re- resolutions. Obviously, a lot of us out there like to try something new to start the new year. A lot of us do our New Year's resolutions. And so what uh, myself, Jared, and Ryan have is a New Year's resolution for the Buffs this offseason. What do the Buffs need to work on? What do they need to change? Anything under those criteria. So should I go first? You, you guys, uh... Yeah, go ahead. All right, my New Year's resolution for CU is... And, and look, this can be positive, negative. You know, some people, their New Year's resolution is uh, drink less. You know, other people, it's to eat healthier. You know, there, there's all different kinds of resolutions. So you can go a whole bunch of different, uh, you know, directions with this. Mine is take chances in recruiting. We're going to talk recruiting to, to wrap up the show today. But something that I would love to see uh, Colorado do, especially with Carl Durrell and a couple new guys on the staff, 
Carl Durrell doesn't have a pipeline. Carl Durrell is not coached in, in football for 10 years, and he gets his players from Texas and this part of California. Carl Durrell right now, his pipeline is wide open. He can establish different pipelines, and I don't think the Buffs should stop at their classic uh, areas where they recruit, right? Texas, California, Colorado, we understand that. But I want CU to not be afraid to go into the Deep South, to go into Georgia, Alabama, Florida, to go into Big Ten country and start plucking these guys away. Take the chances. Be riskier. So my New Year's resolution, and look, there's nothing wrong with the way that CU's done things, right? I think they've done a good job last year, this year, recruiting, bringing new, new talent in, but it's only going to help if you try and extend that rake, try and open up and again, Take chances in recruiting. That's my New Year's resolution for the CU Buffs. What do you got, Jared? I'm going to also touch in on recruiting a little bit, but I'm going to look internally here, okay? I'm going to look at the guys that are already on the CU Buffs roster. Let's re-recruit. Let's get these guys focused on coming back in here. Buffs have already had one guy, a big-time recruit from last year. Jason Harris has entered his name into the transfer portal. He was a four-star yeah. guy, one of their top recruits from last year. Ashad Clayton, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, decided to sit out of the bowl game. There's not a whole lot of talk there. We had some speculation you know, internally here that we thought, well, maybe there's something going on there. So I think it's really, really important for this coaching staff to understand this was one of the better recruiting classes they've had in, in some time last year. And I think it's really important to make sure those guys stick around. You saw an attempt in, in getting Brendan Lewis in the game. I think that was an attempt to get him to stick around. So let's focus internally. Let's make sure we don't lose these guys. We're in that day and age. Transfer portal is a real big thing these days. And I I just, I, I fear that some of these guys that didn't get a lot of playing time or any playing time this year may look elsewhere. There's a new coaching staff here, you know, they stuck through it, but maybe they didn't get the looks they thought they deserved. So let's do what we can to keep these guys around. Let's build around this young talent. I like that. And that's so important. You know, you got to keep the talent here. And sometimes, I think you're exactly right. It, the, the patience of college football players now, in this day and age, it's very, very thin. So uh, that's a good one, Jared. That's resolution. Ryan, what do you got? Uh, so so my my resolution uh, for this year is, is more about the team that they have right now and, and the mentality overall of the Colorado Buffaloes football team. I've been watching this team since uh, for as long as I can remember, and my resolution this year is one word, and that's finish. This year, we, the Colorado football team exceeded our expectations tremendously from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. But they, are, they were a 300-yard 300 uh, uh, running performance from Jarek Broussard away and maybe a couple of mistakes, a turnover from blowing huge leads in two games. What if we were looking at this team – finishing up Pac-12 play, with the exception of San Diego State, um, as a 2-3 and three football team. It was very easily conceivable that that could have happened. And, and, and giving up huge leads in two different games and, and, and seeing in the last, I'd say, decade of, of just underwhelming performances when you start out hot whether it be a game, whether it be a win streak, whether it be a play, whether it be a drive, from top to bottom, I just want to see more killer instinct. I want, I want to see more, um, more fire, more, more, more confidence in, in, in this football team going forward. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, absolutely, and that goes deep. That's really beyond just a one-year thing. I think that's something a, a, a 
problem and a pattern that's happened all too often and, and our you know young young lives i'm saying young yeah we're still young guys <laughs> and our young lives watching this team has happened a lot and so i i think to see them turn that corner and be that team that you believe in when they're in that position. When they get to a 4-0 season, you believe they're going to finish at the top of the Pac-12. I not, think that's important. Yeah, not only for fans to believe in them, but for them to believe in themselves. When, when they catch fire and, and, and realize how good they're playing, realize that you are good. You can play with anybody. Uh, I like that. What, what, what New Year's resolutions do you think in the world are overrated, overvalued? Like working like, out. Uh, that's, that's everyone's, <laughs> yeah. right? Everyone says that they're going to work out. It, yeah. Anyone who's ever worked at a gym knows that like they bank on like 90% of their gym memberships in that like first yeah. two weeks yeah. after the beginning of the year. So that's got to be one. I mean, anything that has to do with being healthier, if you have to like wait for a certain day <laughs> that you're deciding like you are setting yourself up for failure for like, oh, I'm just going to gorge and eat everything I can for the next three weeks. But then come New Year's like, it's a new me, it's guys. It's always so much easier said than done. Yeah. Well, especially when you get older, too. It's like, no, uh, you, you know, a couple of training courses with a personal trainer, yeah, that's not going to fix 30 years of, <laughs> of booze <laughs> and bacon and red meat. Working like, no. out more. Yeah, that's that's. Well, the and classic. we were talking before the, the show here about, you know, just the, the your mental capacity to, you know, accept addiction and you get so hooked onto things it's it goes both ways i think it's it's really getting it into your head that like no this isn't like a new year's thing like this has to be a from now on right, thing right once you get beyond that like honeymoon phase within what well, again whether it's a diet or a workout routine once you get a month in you're always like wait the only t- way that I actually maintain this is like to do this right. every day for the rest of my life. Like, yeah, I, you know what? Actually, this is not so fun anymore. Two months and you're worn out. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get on to our offensive and defensive player of the years. And uh, what I w- what we did is something a little different for this because we did a show award, right? So the overall Buffs Nation award for Offensive Player of the Year is going to go to Jared Broussard. I don't think what? anybody would argue with that. He had a great year, put the team on his shoulders. Jared Broussard is the Buffs Nation Offensive Player of the Year. And the unanimous Buffs Nation Defensive Player of the Year, Nate Landman, led the team in tackles. Once again, that rock in the middle of the field, the captain of that defense, that's obvious. We know who that is. So what we're going to do is give our next offensive and defensive players of the year. You've got to take Bruce Hart out, take Landman out, and we've got an award to give away on offense and defense. So we each have, well, I don't know. These may overlap. I know uh, I've got uh, two defenders who I could talk about here, but let's start on offense. My offensive player of the year, besides Jared Broussard, one of the big boys up front opening things up for him, I'm going to go Will Sherman. Don't call him Sherman Williams. He had such a good year, and honestly, we didn't talk about him that much on the show, and I think it's a good thing when you're not always talking about offensive linemen. Now, it's one thing, I understand you have a couple of huge pancake blocks and you stand out, that's fine, but overwhelmingly, Offensive linemen are like referees. The less you talk about them, the better they're doing. Uh, uh, Will Sherman's second team all Pac-12, very good year. Flew under the radar on this show for, for, for some of our podcasts, but I thought this was an opportunity to bring him back up. 
and, and what a great job he did this year. So my offensive player of the year is Will Sherman. And just this last week, he declared for the NFL draft. Yep. Um, so he will be foregoing his last season of eligibility with the Buffs. And I'm excited about that. I think he's a guy that uh, I think will will surprise some people. I think he's probably not on a whole lot of uh, NFL scouts' radars, but he's built like an NFL left tackle, yeah, he is. which is something you honestly see a lot of guys get moved from tackle into guard in the NFL just because it, it takes a big, mean body out there, and he's got that. So I'm excited to see what he does and where he goes. I, I think you know if I'm if I'm putting a grade on him, I'm thinking you're probably a, a mid round guy, maybe a third or fourth round draft pick for him there. Okay. That's, hey, uh, David Bakhtiari is uh, Ryan. You you told me this earlier this week. He was what a fourth rounder. Uh, yeah, I believe fourth or fifth. And he's the highest wow. paid left tackle in the NFL right now. Yep. So those are the types of guys that have the ability to stick in the NFL. I think he absolutely uh, ha- has a future to do that. So for me. You know, I, I had to really, really carefully pay attention to your word choice in the outline you sent us. You said the, not the MVP, but the uh, player of the year, yes. okay? I wanted to actually go Brady Russell because I know he only played in one game, but he had a huge impact in that game. I think it was like five catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown. You really notice his impact outside of that. That, to me, is a very valuable player. But I can't, I can't call him the player of the year. He only played in one game, <laughs> right. right? So I can't go there. I was tempted to. I wanted to throw his name out there because I do think his value to this offense was huge, and I think it will be huge next year. I assume he'll be back on this roster next year. I went with a little bit of a different route, Levante Chenault, a guy that grew throughout the year. Now, he had his struggles. I think some off-field stuff kept him out of the bowl game. Only played in four games this year. He did not make an appearance in that very first game. Played in four games this year. Had uh, more than 50 yards in three out of the four games. And was, you know, one of the most targeted players. And again, for a guy that didn't play at all in that first game, to be second on the team in catches, 17 catches, 193 yards, averaged just under 12 yards a catch. I mean, it was some big play stuff. I think he's got a bright, bright future. And I think the way he grew throughout the year tells me that he was one of the most valuable players on this offense. Well, it's a tough spot to come into. I mean, your brother just you know blew the doors off this offense. He's got all kinds of records, just got drafted in the NFL. Expectations were high for Levante Chenault, and he's filled in very, very well when he was asked to. So it's not just he's had a great year, not just how young he is. He's a freshman. But it's the idea that he came in with all this hype, all these expectations, and he lived up to it. So great choice there. He had a good year. I can't wait to see what the future has. Yeah, he was buried on that depth chart to yep. start the year. Yes, and I he think was. he will probably be on top of that depth chart going into next year. Nice job. He was, uh, yeah, I'm looking right now at the opening depth chart. Let's see. It has him. He was third at one of the receiver positions. So technically there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys ahead of him on the depth chart. Technically. And so you talk about going from the bottom to the top, working your way up there. Great season for Levante Chanel. Ryan, what do you got? Yeah, and uh, just to piggyback on that, going from bottom to the top, my offense or most uh, valuable offensive player is going to be uh, Sam Neuer this year. Okay. Uh, so Sam Neuer, you know, stuck with the program his whole career. They moved him to safety, um, never really gave him a chance, thought about transferring, came back because uh, Coach Chev said, you know what, I want you to come back and compete. You know, uh, don't want to transfer. Um, again, his stats won't necessarily jump off the page for you. But this year, let me just let, let me just say, including the Alamo Bowl, had a 55% completion r- rating, 
not not great, not terrible. Threw for 1,100 yards. But the big thing that stands out to me is a quarterback rating of 116. Now, he's not going to win a game for you, but he's not going to lose it for yeah. you. Yeah. And I want to ask you guys a little trivia here. How many rushing touchdowns do you think Sam Neuer had this year? I can't look because I haven't pulled up in front of me. Um, I'm going to go five, six. I'm going to go – I was going to say under that. I was going to say four. He had five. Yeah. So there. So he's responsible. Yes, we had uh, seven interceptions. Sure. Uh, I mean, that one in the Alamo Bowl by that defensive lineman from Texas, that, that interception was ridiculous. I, I don't really count that on him on that screen pass. Oh, but, 100%. Uh, you know, responsible for 11 touchdowns. And, you, again, he's not losing you games. He's a game manager. He came in. He did what he was supposed to do. Loves the university. Wants to win. Gave you everything you had. And I think that leadership that he brought to this offense. I mean, this was a young offense. We talk about this young receiving core. We talk about, you know, Jarek Broussard, a sophomore guy that had no snaps coming into the year. So that presence, that leadership, that confidence that he played with, especially early in the year, I think was huge. And just, just to, to touch on your your uh, comment there on his rushing touchdowns, for reference, Jarek Broussard only had five rushing touchdowns on the year. So Sam Neuer matched that on the ground. So really, really got the ball in the end zone for the buffs and I think was – was a huge, huge influence in what got them to where they were this year. What I was most impressed with, uh, with Neuer the Destroyer, is his decision-making. You know, he doesn't try and make every throw. He stays in, in his lane. He understands what he does well, doesn't do well, and uh, he makes very good decisions. And so I like a guy like that, a quarterback who you trust. Always make the right throw, always make the right read, and, and he did that this year. You know what I'm most disappointed in, though? That nickname never stuck. How, Neuer how did the Destroyer. Not, how did we not get that to build? I think there should have been some hashtags going out with that. I'm saying Man. small sample size, not that many games this year. Otherwise, it would have caught That's fire. <laughs> All right, uh, defensive player of the year. I've got two. Uh, should we go two or should I pick one? Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we start with Ryan and go yeah. in reverse order and maybe we'll knock one off your list. Ryan, are you ready or should we go to you after Jared for defensive player of the year? Uh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm All ready. right, what uh, do you got? Kind of going with a dark horse here. Um, so, again, Buffs only played uh, six games. Right. Yep. Um, I'm going to go with Christian Gonzalez, the true oh, nice. freshman, nice cornerback. Um, even through that game, uh, through those uh, a few amount of games, had 25 solo tackles, um, and he had five passes defensed. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're a cornerback, the best thing—it's just like being an offensive lineman. The best thing that you can have is not having your name called. Right. And teams tried to go after him time and time again, especially early, and he shut them down, and they realized, hey, we can't go after this guy. And then you got a compliment like Blackman on the other side. Well, well, well now your outside receivers are, 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 are kind of mute as far as an opposing offense, and, and, and now I think it kind of funnels you into, as an opposing offense, funnels you into a certain way of calling plays because we don't have anything outside. Now we have to start throwing drag routes. We got to start doing trick plays, RPOs, all that kind of stuff. So I'm going with uh, Christian Gonzalez, and uh, honestly, I'm really, really excited about this kid. And even more impressive when you remember this is a true freshman. <laughs> yeah. Not a guy that sat and redshirted for years, been around a college program, all those – 
a true freshman, a guy that got basically no time in off-season camp because there was no off-season camp, got a few weeks leading up to the season and impressed so much that he was out there just about every play on this defense. Very, very impressive for him this year. I love seeing him out there. And the future is bright once again at cornerback position for CU. Know, we are exciting. cornerback U. Yeah, I love it. I'm going to go with a little more obvious of an answer here. It's a guy that I raved about all year long. And I think after Nate Lamon, I think to me it's the obvious answer and that's Carson Wells. Uh, second on the team in tackles, 37 total tackles, but here's where the stats start to get impressive. Six and a half sacks in six games here. He had an interception, had four passes defense, and let's see if I can find it here. His tackles for a loss was impressive as well. Uh, Tyler, you got that in front of you. I'm not seeing it listed here on ESPN, but guy was living in the backfield this year. So versatile. I think he really, really improved his stock. He's a guy that we came into the season with a lot of question marks. Can he be that guy? Can he be the number one outside linebacker for the bus? He answered that question and then some. I think he proved that he belongs in the NFL. I think that he has a bright future there and can do anything that you ask him to do. Again, an interception on the year. Six and a half sacks. That's so impressive to me that I really, really am excited. I wish we could see more of him. Now, obviously, the future's not set in stone. He could come back if he wanted to, but this is a guy I, I think he, he would almost, I, I don't want to say it'd be foolish to come back here. I'd love to see it, but you don't him think to not Wells go comes after, back next year? I think he goes to the NFL because I think he's getting drafted. Wow. I do. And if you're getting drafted, in my mind, you don't come back this year. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I just wonder, could he elevate his draft stock? Could he do something? Look, I want these kids to go make money if they can make money. I don't ever want to be selfish with the university, but you know, he did have that one great year. I just wonder, you know, can he parlay that into a career getting drafted or does he want to bet on himself and come back next year? You know, I'd love to have him back next year. I think he could improve his draft stock, but uh, I like that pick. I like Carson Wells. It's certainly, uh, he deserves for us to talk about him and I'm glad you brought him up today. Uh, my defensive player of the year, uh, who we haven't hit on yet, I did have Carson Wells as one of my two, but it's Isaiah Lewis. And what I was so impressed with this year with Isaiah Lewis was his versatility. He could play nickelback, he could play safety, he went on the outside, could cover receivers, he was in the middle of the field and, and finished on tackles. During the end of the year, we saw him getting in the backfield, disrupting the, the passing game. There really isn't much that Isaiah Lewis didn't do this year, and that's the exact kind of guy you need when you play in the Pac-12. Look, you're going to play a lot of different offenses, from Stanford to UCLA. We didn't get an Arizona State this year, but when you talk about the future and, and what the future is going to hold and what I saw this year, Isaiah Lewis is that kind of guy who you need. Versatile, fast, finishes tackles. He was fourth on the team in total tackles with 33. He did have a sack this year. Four passes, excuse me, six passes defense, which led or uh, tied the team. What a great year for, for, for Isaiah Lewis. And, you know, he started the season. If you look at the initial depth chart, he was the second free safety, the number one nickel. Uh, but Mark Perry was there at strong safety. And through the year, Isaiah Lewis started to work his way in there and got into the lineup more and more. So I think that was a great call by the coaching staff. Isaiah Lewis deserves to be talked about more. And he's my defensive player of the year. Yeah, talk about a guy that was completely off our radar going, radar going into the year. I mean, that first game, I see him out there. I had to go pull out the depth chart. Who is this guy? And what oh, is he doing up. on the field? <laughs> uh, and it's just impressive. I, I, there's very few instances that I can remember him not being in position to make a play. Uh, like you said, all over the field and uh you know he's a guy that i think you see a lot more of next year i think he's probably one of the leaders of this defense next year this is a woos media podcast but woos media does much more than simply podcasting have you ever searched for something online and whatever you searched for happened to follow you around for a few weeks 
Well, that can be effective and very powerful for businesses. So if you're looking to reach a new clientele, you're looking to expand your online presence, contact Woos Media online, W-O-O-Z-E media.com. Again, if you own a business, know anyone who owns a business who wants to make the most of their online marketing, contact Woos Media online, W-O-O-Z-E media.com. All right, let's get to some recruiting talk. Let's talk some cheddar. Uh, CU having a decent recruiting class uh, for the 2021 round, and we'll start to break down what we think of that class. But first, there's an interesting story. I uh, wanted to talk about this. Uh, I saw this in uh, the CUindependent.com. The trying journey of a 27-year-old aspiring college football player. Uh, so this guy's name is James Carnes. Uh, he graduated from Air Academy High School in 2011, and he ended up, you know, he wanted to go, I think he played semi-pro football, actually, his first year after college, and then tried to bounce around, go to some JUCO schools, tried to go to California, and it never really worked out for him. You know, it's expensive. When you go to JUCO, you've got to pay for your own apartment. You've got to pay for certain things. It gets really expensive. So he tried his luck at some different schools. I know he went to Feather River College in Quincy, California, a couple other places, but ended up deciding in 2016 that he wanted to enroll at the University of Colorado. Kind of got you know that drive going again to re-enroll to college. And he was unsuccessful for a while, finally got in. And it's funny because this is like a movie should be written about this. You know, he was, he, he's like, when he moved to Boulder, he's like, I need a job. I got to start paying for stuff. So there weren't many jobs going around. So he got uh, some work doing some janitorial stuff at the university. So he's working cleaning the university. He said he was even cleaning some coaches' office, offices. You know, some football coaches' offices. So he's around. He's made himself kind of known around there, and he wants to walk on. And I think that's tremendous. I love a couple things about this story. I love the grit. I love the determination. I love the attitude. All of that's amazing. And I hope that he gets at least to wear a jersey. You know, I'm not sure about play because he's a receiver, and you look at Colorado's depth chart right now. Yeah, good <laughs> luck cracking that, right? But look, I want to see him get a shot, man. It's such a cool story. He's got a passion for Colorado football. Um, and look, he actually attempted to walk on last fall. Mel Tucker said, you know, we're, we don't have enough room right now. Come back, try in the spring. And of course, coronavirus happened. COVID struck the world. So this guy's had a lot of ups and downs. But he plans on trying to walk on again this year. And uh, again, his name, James Carnes. We're rooting for you, James. Yeah, good for him. I yeah. mean, I know we're not, none of us are that far removed from 27. Could you imagine being 27 years old and trying to go compete with these kids on a college roster? My first thought is like, at what point does that become, can you not go back? Like, can, can you get a 35-year-old who goes back to college? I mean, James Stefano, how old is he, 31? He, I, I thought he was under 30, but right around I think he was the there. oldest player in college yeah. football. So yeah, I, I thought he was older than that. Yeah, I did too. And, and, and so, uh, Is it like the gray beard? You start getting the gray beard, right. that's when they cut you <laughs> off. <laughs> but look, uh, James Carnes, we hope he gets you know a, a spot on the team. It would just be such a cool story, and we're going to follow him. So again, this this story is on cuindependent.com. It's titled, The Trying Journey of a 27-Year-Old Aspiring College Football Player. Go check it out yourself and uh, start trying to follow this kid. Good luck to you, James. Um, so let's get to the recruiting. You know, on the on the heels of that talk, let's see it, who CU is bringing in next year. So obviously, well, maybe not obviously, uh, there are two main sources for college football recruiting. Rivals.com and 247sports.com. They've kind of risen to be the one or the, the top two companies who do rankings. 
On 247sports.com, Colorado is ranked 54th. And on rivals.com, Colorado's ranked, I think it's 48th. Uh, so yeah, 48th. So we're right there around 50 um, for, for both uh, outlets. So good, not great. You know, in the past, CU's kind of hovered right there around the middle of college football. So I don't hate this recruiting class. It's, I don't love it. Not, you don't have three or four or five stars, but I see some guys on here who I'm excited about. Yeah, and that's where I'll say is there's there's not that guy that just jumps off the page at you on, on this recruiting class. And, you know, on the surface, on paper, it's not overly impressive. But, you know, something I always like to remind myself when I look at these rankings is don't get so caught up in the numbers. Don't get right. so caught up in the three-star, four-star. Just throw in a couple of, of names out there of guys that were not four or five star guys. LaVisca Chenault, uh, Philip Lindsay, two guys that are NFL starters right now and, and, and you know, very, very valuable players to their teams. LaVisca Chenault really came on at the end of this year for the Jags and isn't he lucky now getting to probably get Trevor Lawrence coming in to throw him <laughs> right. the ball in the future. So good for him. So don't get so caught up in that. There are no four stars in this class as of right now. Well, that depends where you look. Okay. According to 247, no four stars. If you look at Rivals.com, Eric Olson, the tight end out of Heritage in Colorado, is a four-star. So he's right there on the edge between four-star, three-star. And again, that's depending whether you look at Rivals.com or 247sports.com. And that's the guy I'm probably most excited about personally, not just because of where he ranks and, and his stars and whatnot, but it's a local kid. Went to school at Heritage, Littleton. You know, I love to see that. That's probably something that bothers me more than anything is seeing these really talented Colorado kids go elsewhere for school. But not just that, it's a position that we've seen grow within this Buffs team. We've seen them really utilize a guy like Brady Russell, who has really grown within that role after being a former walk-on. So to get a highly recruited guy coming into the position, I think he can have a monster career with the Buffs. I do too. I think he's definitely going to have a good career. Yeah, and that's something that excites me as well is, you know, we have – that's something that I think the best tight end that CU has had was back in 2001 with Daniel Graham, right? Yeah. I mean, who else can you think of? No, other Daniel than Graham. I mean, I mean, since then, and, and that's, that's what I think really has um, – held this offense back a little bit which is why I was so excited about Brady Russell this this year as well and then he unfortunately got hurt but a tight end gives you so many options in your offense to go through and that's why I'm really excited about this kid so he is a what's interesting is uh 247 sports has him as a three star but the number four tight end in Colorado rivals.com has him as a four star but the number five Tight end in Colorado. So looking at those rankings, the top five tight ends in Colorado, you guys want to know what's hysterical? The number one tight end in Colorado also went to Heritage. So Heritage had two of the top five tight ends in the state last year. Did they year. win a championship? I think they lost in the second or third okay. round of the playoffs to Dakota Ridge, maybe. I'm I was checking sure. today. I, 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 I thought they, were, they weren't very good last year. I, I, I could be wrong. I think they went to the... Yeah, maybe you're thinking of a couple years ago. They went to the playoffs, and I think they went a couple rounds deep. That's right. Um, lost 38-34, I believe, to, to Dakota Ridge. But either way, uh, I, thought that, I thought that was pretty fascinating. The top two tight ends, arguably, you know, both went to Heritage. But number one, Terrence Ferguson out of Heritage. He signed to go to Oregon. Okay, these are the tight ends. Again, tight ends. Number two tight end in the state went to Fossil Ridge. He signed to play at Texas A&M. Number three tight end in the state went to Cherry Creek. He signed to play at Texas. Number four tight end in the state uh, went to Cherokee Trail. 
He signed at Ohio State. And then this is our guy, Eric Olson, fifth tight end in the state, signed at Colorado. So look, I one thing that I really want to do, and one thing I noticed doing my prep for today's show, Colorado has gotten a lot better in terms of talent going to college than they were when we were in high school. I mean, do you remember when we were in high school? And again, this is probably 15 years ago where, where a lot of those guys are coming out going to the NFL or college, things like that. Colorado barely had three stars. We were trying to, you know, export some. Whenever there was like one four star who would go, it'd be a huge story because we had no four stars in Colorado. Now it seems like high school Colorado, high school football in the state has gotten so much better that you're seeing the product. I mean, four to have, excuse me, to have five four star tight ends in Colorado, that's improvement. So. Uh, Colorado's got some talent. And that's one thing I want to see the staff do. Improve, like Jared mentioned, improve your recruiting and, and what you're doing here at home. Yes, it's important to keep guys at CU at CU, but it's also important to keep a lot of the top talent in the state coming to to, to the buffs. So Eric Olson, going to be excited to see what he can do. Number uh, five tight end in the state, but uh, four-star overall, according to Rivals.com. It's going to be great to get him at tight end. Moving on the list, and I'm just going to kind of go down. If I miss anybody, let me know who you guys want to talk about. Uh, Tyus Martin. Tyus Martin is a D-tackle out of Jacksonville High School, Jacksonville, Arkansas, not Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, he's a three-star on both, 247 and Rivals.com. And uh, Tyus Martin, you know, with the defensive line doing, I think, so well this year, but then there's a question mark. Who's going to stick around? Do we get all these guys back? I think that Tyus Martin could fill a role rather quickly. He's got size, 6'3", 318. As long as they can coach him up and get him to fill whatever role they want him to take on, I think he can be impactful, maybe not as a freshman, but in his first couple years at CU. So I'm excited about Tyus Martin. Yeah, and the Buffs run uh, typically a 3-4 defense. They do a, a kind of a multiple look, but a 3-4 defense, and I think he fits so well in that. Typically what you ask your D lineman to do in a 3-4 defense is eat up blocks. Go watch Tyus Martin's uh, highlight reel from high school and you know there's not a ton of big splash plays but there's times where he's splitting triple teams I mean he's eating up blocks he's getting in the backfield he's pushing the whole line of scrimmage back this is a big boy I think this is the type of guy that can have an impact early which is not something you say very often with D-Lyman usually you got to get him in there bulk him up for a year or two and then they can make an impact you know sophomore junior senior year so I think this is a guy in Tyus Martin that I expect to see on the field next year as a freshman yeah guys like this those are their splash plays though splash plays are taking up blocks that's what you're supposed to do exactly what what they need and this goes to what i was talking about extending that recruiting and this is a guy from arkansas you know colorado doesn't have that many guys from arkansas there's four guys from the southeast on this recruiting class i love it yeah i was going to bring up that point as well you got uh one from florida one from arkansas one from alabama you got one from iowa i mean you we're we're used to the californias the texases you know, maybe Nevada, something like that. But we're starting to go the other way into the southeast, and and I'd like to see how that grows throughout the years as well. Let's talk about that Alabama recruit. He's an offensive guard, Edgar Amaya from Russellville High School. Uh, he's got some size, six four, three fifteen. And what I thought, what I thought was funny here is again, you talk about some of these schools in the south or some of these places in the south that just have so much talent, and how for a long time Colorado wasn't that place. So this is a good. Uh, uh, Offensive guard, right? A good lineman. He's very, very... I mean, I, I've seen his tape. He's good. Like, this guy's not a slouch. He's the 58th best lineman in Alabama. It's like, holy cow, man. You wonder how they just crank out these guys at Alabama and Auburn and Georgia. and 
It's amazing. There's 57 linemen who are better than this guy. That's crazy. So I'm, In the state of so Alabama. I'm going to give you a little reason why I think that that's true. So watching his tape for me, um, he struggles a lot with getting his um, his head across the defender's face on down blocks. So basically what he's setting himself up to do when he does that is hold every single play. And when I when I watched his tape, again, nothing against the kid. This is all stuff that can be taught. This, yeah. this, is, stuff that, up. this is stuff that can be corrected. This is why you get kids like this into a Division One program with capable coaches to – to teach them how to utilize their skills in a way to help the team. Um, and again, not trying to bust on them, but probably about 80% of the plays that I saw in his highlight reel, you could probably throw a flag on. Hey, but he's going to have some great coaching. A lot of that's fixable, and I like what we're working with. I like the raw talent. But but big, and man, he's a he's a grinder. Yeah, there must that's be something in the water down in the south, because he's, what, 6'4", 315. You got Tyus Martin, 6'3", 318. Those are 18-year-old kids, man. You don't see too many of them walking okay. around in Colorado, dude. <laughs> oh, God. All right, let's move on the list here. This is a local product, Chase Penry uh, out of Cherry Creek High School. Their number one receiver last year, he had 53 catches and nine touchdowns in nine games, part of that high school state championship team at Cherry Creek. So, again, the receiving core is deep at CU. I don't see this guy doing anything in his first couple years, but, you know, he's uh, – He's a, a route runner. He runs very crisp routes, good hands, can go over the middle of the field. I don't know where they're going to have him. I see him probably as more of a route running slot receiver. He's 6'1", 185, not lightning quick or anything like that, but he's got all the skills to catch a third and five ball across the middle of the field, take a hit. Chase Penry, I think, is a, a nice underrated recruit that we're not hearing too much about. Yeah, I think picture uh, Dusty Sprague or, or Jay McIntyre, Scotty McKnight, you know, that type of receiver. And that's those guys have uh, can have a huge impact. And I think that's actually a spot that's kind of missing within that, just that possession guy, that guy that you know you can count on to get that third and five, get open, knows how to run his routes, knows how to get himself open, and I'm excited to see if he can crack into that roster. I mean, I think there's some guys this year that we didn't expect to see crack into the lineup, and I, I want to see how quickly this guy can get on the field. So if you look at the uh, the receivers, okay, so this is um, top recruits in Colorado. Oh, excuse me. This is not just – this is all recruits, okay? So the top recruits in Colorado, we mentioned uh, Eric Olson. And this is according to 247sports.com. Eric Olson's number four, coming to see you. And uh, Chase Penry's number seven. So overall recruits, I mean, that's doing a good job keeping those guys uh, in Colorado. Um, so nice job there. You know, I think, again, Chase Penry, I'm excited about him. Um, you know, just maybe not producing immediately, but that's okay. Let's see here. Got a couple safeties. Trevor Woods, uh, three-star out of Taylor High School in Katy, Texas. Uh, Trustin Oliver. I don't know about you guys, but I, Trustin Oliver, uh, big safety, 6'4", 215, out of Iowa Western Community College, transfer to a CU. Well, and he's a guy that actually a couple years ago committed to the Buffs, uh, had some academic issues, could not uh, qualify for the team. That's when he went and did the community college route. Oh, that's right. And now seeing him coming. I know, I remember him so much because I was so excited, 6'4", 215, Oh, I'm so excited to see this guy out on the field. And so he's a he's a little bit of a veteran coming into this class, a guy that, yeah, he's not played any D1 football, but he's got snaps under his belt. He's not coming in raw out of high school. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him crack the lineup early here. Well, but a lot of these guys also are coming in. Both those guys who I just named are safeties. Uh, another safety here, uh, Tyron Taylor, 
out of William Amos High, uh, William Amos High at uh, Cornelius, North Carolina. You know, he's another good size safety. There's an athlete here, Nico Reed. So I think the Colorado is going to have a lot of guys coming over at certain positions. They're just going to mix things up. You know, safety on this piece of paper doesn't necessarily mean safety at Folsom Field. So I think the Colorado's working with a lot of guys who can be probably pretty versatile with this draft class. Uh, I mentioned Nico Reed. Uh, let's see here. Got some size again coming in at D-tackle. Ryan Williams out of Shadow Creek High School, Perlin, Texas. 6'5", 260. And uh, again, I love this. In the state of Texas, he's a three-star D-tackle. 114 D-tackles ahead of him in Texas. Like, whew. Boy, Texas is not short on their D-tackle recruits, but I like that. It's a big state. It's a biggie. It's a big recruiting state as well. <laughs> a lot of kids coming out of Texas. Oh, and I like Cole Becker, the kicker. Um, hey, you know couple what? Couple of kickers. I was going to say the Buffs. Uh, you know, they've they, their their kickers aren't uh, getting younger. Well, I guess I I can't say that because James Stefano left the team, so they did get quite a bit younger <laughs> at that point. But uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're I think Evan Price drops severely. Evan Price has got to be a junior senior. There's been so many prices around there. I, I I can't remember how long Evan Price has actually been oh there. Oh my but god! I just thought of a tagline for next year. I know. I I heard. I know it. The price yeah. is right. We just yell that after he kicks Ryan, a field goal. I think you spent too much time. Around on Tyler, if you knew that was coming before you even yes, said it. You know how I knew it was coming is because I almost said it, but I was like, no, let's keep that off air, and then Waldy decided I to go. can't. I, ha- I have a sick impulse to put it on the air once it crosses my brain. Um, I'm excited about uh, Drew Carter, the quarterback coming in. He is out of Portland, Oregon, uh, Tigard High School. I couldn't find many stats on him. They don't keep a lot of stats at Tigard, but he's part of a very solid program. He's the number five quarterback in the state of Oregon, and he's a dual threat. So he's big. He can run. Nice arm, too. I like what, we, what I see from a Drew Carter. Yeah, so he had a 66 complete, uh, or 66% completion um, in, in his senior year, um, so very accurate. They ran a lot of, from the film that I watched, they ran a lot of spread and RPO. Um, very much him in a shotgun with one to two backs, spread them out, utilize the field. And one thing I want to say about this guy is some of the throws that he makes, over-the-shoulder throws, deep throws, absolutely, absolute dimes on the money, and he can also run when he needs to. And he, I think it's perfect for a Chevrolet offense. It kind of you realize why they went after this kid. Well, and it'll be interesting to see with this quarterback room and the dynamic in there next year because obviously you have Brandon Lewis. We, we saw a lot from him in that Texas game. I think we all agree he he's probably the front runner to be your starter going into next year. Sam Neuer, while you know he may have taken a back seat at this point, he's that same style, that kind of dual threat. He's an athlete. And then you got this JT Strout yeah. that comes in as a pro-style quarterback. He's a guy in, in a Tennessee offense that didn't do a whole lot of running. He kind of seems to be an odd man out. When you do look at a Drew Carter, another dual threat guy, another mobile guy, it'll be interesting to see. It seems like they're very much moving in that direction, but m- maybe this JT Shroud throws a little kink in. If he comes in and impresses, you might see a little bit more of that process. So just kind of interesting dynamic to me when you look at that quarterback. Totally. Room. I think that's what you have to do, though, in college football. You have to accumulate talent. There's a reason why... A lot of these guys are transferring from Georgia's and Tennessee's and Florida. It's because they get on a roster and they see, oh, wow, it's more packed than, than I was told. That's unfortunately the world of college football. Sometimes you got to make promises that don't always come true because you can't control who's going to sign, who's going to commit, and who's not going to. But I, 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 as a fan, 
I love that locker room. You've right. got all different kinds of uh, of quarterback styles to go from, experience, non-experience, so I like it. Right, and, and from a coach's standpoint, you know, yeah, the quarterback room may be packed, but also from a coach's standpoint, you can't shove a square peg in a round hole. So whether you have a dual-threat quarterback or a pocket passer, you kind of need to apply the st- – apply the strengths of the offense to what the best quarterback does best so you you know you you can't you can't be so hard-headed to just go with one guy because that's what i want to do what's best for your team exactly i agree with that um anyone else who i missed on this i mean we can just i gotta throw the best name out there okay i always like to do that you know i guess you're gonna go oh yeah go ahead is it zephaniah no that is a good one i didn't know how to pronounce that so i wasn't gonna go there so zephaniah maya liberty high school henderson nevada inside linebacker yeah and he's some hey we may be needing some inside linebackers exactly next year no my best name is actually not has not signed on the dotted line he has a hard commit victory vaca oh yes that is just oh this is a guy coming out of Westlake Village California defensive lineman six foot two 350 pounds I'd like to see him jump on the scale that's a big boy there um but you know that's just I mean come on can you just imagine him out there sacking the quarterback victory vodka you know I mean it just it just feels so natural I think that may be you more yelling at the tv but uh the victory vada dance that's great uh, yeah so so another one that i had on my list uh, another another hard commit is uh tj patu from la habra california um they have him listed as a linebacker uh 63210 uh here on rivals and um if you go and watch his film i have not seen closing speed from a linebacker like this in so long the defense they run is very weird he almost looks like he's playing the uh the the star or buff position because he's an outside linebacker but he's almost 15 yards off the ball almost head up on the slot receiver and he's closing on running backs about one to two yards either positive or negative on the line of scrimmage so um given his size given his speed he honestly looks like a safety he's listed as a linebacker but i'd really i'd really love to see i'd really love him to come to boulder obviously but um yeah for for any listeners go out there his name's tj patu from la habra california go and watch him It, it it crazy crazy skills on this guy but that's what i was talking about is the versatility with this class coming in i mean you don't have to be labeled an athlete to be considered an athlete and i think there's a lot of those guys on here a couple athletes who we haven't talked about yet ty robinson uh 190 big dude out of eagle crest high school in colorado uh Kalen moore a bit of a different uh six foot 180 he's out of westlake village california oaks christian high school and uh again both those guys athletes uh, guard uh, Edgar Amaya. Did we talk about him? Yes, we did touch on guard uh, Jackson Anderson. Outside linebacker Zion Magliai. Magliai, not sure. And he's from a renowned high school, Chandler High School in Chandler, Arizona. They really have a lot of talent down there, and uh, it's going to be exciting to the see the kid can... from uh, Oklahoma, the quarterback uh, Rattler, Spencer Rattler. That's where he came out of. Yes, uh, yes. a couple years back. Spencer Rattler. Uh, we got Alan Baugh, the uh, strong side D end. Again, you know, he's probably going to have his hand in the dirt, but not exactly sure how is going to use him. Yeah, from another uh, prestigious high school, St. Thomas Aquinas. Yes, the age of Aquarius. 
you know, something that really just stands out to me as you just kind of, you know, scroll up and down on this is the size. I, I love to see that size, that athleticism. I think a lot of what you're doing in recruiting, and we talked about this with some of the offensive linemen, there's a lot of holes in these guys' games. You're bringing them in because you have a coaching staff that you believe is going to coach them up. You want to get good people first and foremost, guys that are not going to be an issue within your, your program, but then you want to get good athletes, guys that can do, you know, outperform what maybe their statistics showed in high school, but because of that athleticism, they can have a huge impact on your team. I mean, we're talking 6'3", 318, 6'1", 185, 6'3", yeah. 190. I mean, you can go down the list. These guys are long, they're big and athletic, and I'm excited about that. Absolutely. I don't want to leave anyone out, even if we just quickly say their name. What I don't want to happen is have any of these recruits listen to the show and they go, that Buffs Nation, they didn't talk about me. And then they're transferring or something. Now we're responsible for what's going on to CU. So a Nico Reed athlete, Ryan Williams, a D tackle out of Pearland, Texas, Shadow Creek High School. Uh, we, so I think that actually does it. If we miss anyone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. You forgot the punter. Uh, oh, oh, Ashton Logan. Ashton again, Logan. just a hard commit. Has not signed on the dotted line yet. Still, but, though. Hey. Still. The boss have put a couple of punchers in the NFL. You if never know. If there's anyone who we missed out on or we didn't talk about you or anything like that, let us know on Twitter. We are at Buffs Podcast. Give us a follow and yell at us in the DMs if you want to as well. We'll be sure and talk about you a little bit more on the show. But this is our last uh, show of this season, so stay tuned. You know, Again, follow us on Twitter, at uh, Buffs Podcast. Give us a like on Facebook, and you can know what we're doing because we'll probably have a couple off-season podcasts. Not exactly sure the uh, the schedule right now, but stay tuned on social media. We'll let you guys know. We'll try and keep you as in the loop as we can this off-season for Colorado News. But I think that does it for most of the uh, recruits here. Again, Cole Becker. I think we mentioned him, the kicker. Uh, do you see this dude? The the slick back hair kind of looks like the Fonz. I mean, smooth, smooth. smooth That's what you dude. need out of a kicker. Cole Smooth. Is what I'm gonna start calling him. <laughs> <laughs> Cole Smooth. He's but, a smooth uh, criminal. Is smooth. Nice. I like it. So, all right, good job, guys. Again, Colorado Buffaloes, great 2020 season. I know all of us, all of us here, are uh, proud of you. And any of you CU buffs who do go aside, do decide to uh, go ahead and take your talents to the NFL. Good luck. We're rooting for you. It was a good season. So everyone out there, stay safe. We'll talk to you soon on the Buffs Nation podcast.